Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. Last few weeks now, we've been looking at the whole issue of the wilderness from Luke chapter 3 all the way now into Luke chapter 4. And we've seen different things. We've seen John the Baptist and what he was trying to show us from the wilderness experience. We've seen Jesus and his baptism and his identification with us. And last week, we looked at the area of temptation, the temptation of Jesus Christ. And the fact that he identifies with us because we're tempted, are we not? How many of you are tempted? Be honest. Every one of you should have your hand up right now. Because we all are tempted, are we not? And there are some powerful lessons from this section of verses, verses 1 through 13, that you and I need to grasp for our life. And so we, we talked about it last, last week as the wilderness being the place of testing. And I thought we would spend the next few weeks just kind of expanding upon the whole issue of temptation as we look at the life of Jesus, plus as we also bring in another passage to give us understanding. And so today, we're going to talk about the nature of temptation. Because every one of us here, we've already acknowledged it, is tempted, are we not? And you will be tempted till the day you die, or Jesus comes back for you. You will face temptations, and and I'm not just saying, you're going to face temptations throughout the day. So, for instance, just even this morning, when the alarm clock rang, you were tempted to what? Stay in bed. Hit that snooze button five, six times. How many times do you ever hit it? And you were tempted. You were, every one of us here is tempted in some way. And so we're going to see the nature of temptation. So I want you to notice with me, we're going to read once again the first 13 verses and see the temptation of Jesus. And then we're going to turn over a little later and look at First John and see some things there. So notice with me, verse 1, chapter 4 of Luke. He writes, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And being tempted for forty days by the devil, and in those days he ate nothing, and afterwards, when they had ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you and their glory. For this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Jesus answered and said to him, It has been said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. 
The first thing I want you to notice as we look at this passage together are the areas of temptation. If we're going to understand the nature of it, we need to understand that the devil is going to tempt us specifically in three different areas. And we see these three temptations happening with Jesus. So when you think about the temptations in your life, if you were to categorize them, let's say if you were to keep track of your temptations, first of all, it's futile to do that, but if you tried to, if you tried to keep track of what you are tempted with, it will more than likely fit into one of each one of these three types. Because these three types are what all of us struggle with, and these are the three types that Satan tries to tempt Jesus with. In fact, I heard Rick Warren say this, that there's one nice thing about Satan, and that's this. If there is such a thing as a nice thing about Satan, is that he's totally predictable. And when he tempts you, he will tempt you in these three areas. Same three areas throughout history. If you look at Adam and Eve in the garden, and the temptation there, you will find that there you will see these three types of temptation, these three areas of temptation in their life, and throughout the Bible, and if you look at your life, you'll see them too. So let's look at what they are. First thing I want you to notice is this, that Jesus is tempted to satisfy his physical needs. So listen, again, let's remind ourselves, he's been fasting for 40 days. He's not had any food for 40 days. And at the end of that 40 days, Satan comes to him and says to him, look, if you're the son of God, just all you have to do is just turn that stone there into bread. You're hungry. Just satisfy yourself. So his first temptation is for him to do something in the area of his physical needs. Isn't that the temptation we all face? For Jesus, it was, in, it was with reference to hunger. But you and I have temptations, too, that we face all the time concerning our physical needs. Whether it's for our pleasure, for our comfort, whether it's sexual, whether it's food. All of that has to do with what? Our physical needs. So, for instance, some of you are really glad now that the weather is getting warmer so you don't have to run that heater because you've got that heater set really high and you're paying for it, too, because you want that what? Comfort instead of that cold. Why? Because you like how it feels. See, the first area of temptation has to do with how you feel and feeling satisfied. And that's what's going on here. Now, I want you to notice something, too, about the temptation. I mentioned this last week. Is that notice... Satan is not just tempting Jesus in the area of his weakness, he's tempting him in the area of his strength, too, because Jesus can turn stones into bread. And so a lot of times Satan will not just tempt us in the area of our weakness, he will tempt us in the area of our what? Strength. So the first area of temptation has to do with his physical needs. The second area of temptation is Satan takes Jesus and shows him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment. All the kingdoms of the world in the moment. So here's what Jesus is tempted to take the world's splendor. He's saying, look, all this is yours if you just worship me. The reality is it's going to be all Jesus's anyhow. But what's happening here is Satan wants him to circumvent what God's will is and take matters into his own hands and do whatever it takes for him to get it on his own. See, you and I are tempted the same way. You and I are tempted the same way. We are tempted in that whole area of wanting to seek possessions on our own rather than waiting on God to provide them for us. And so here's what Jesus says. He's tempted to take the world's splendor. And you and I face this every day. You and I face this every day. 
you look there and you say, all i got to do is do this. And you know that what you have to do to get it is wrong, because maybe God's Word tells you to do something else. And you're tempted, for the moment, to take it for yourself. The sad thing is, is most of us give in, don't we? And we take it, and who cares what the Word of God says? See, that's the reality. So that, that next area there that I want you to see is, is that he's tempted by the world's splendor. Finally, he's tempted to seek prominence. Here's what Satan does. Satan takes him, and he takes him to the highest point on the temple. If you look at a map of Jerusalem, and if you've been in our Sunday school series where we've talked about Jerusalem and so forth, and, and you, you've ever seen a model of it, it was up on a hill, and so from the highest point on that hill, Satan takes him and says, look, throw yourself down, the angels will catch you. Everybody will see that and say, ooh, and they'll follow you. Jesus responds to Satan by saying, look, you won't, don't tempt the Lord God. What's he saying here? He knows that he's going to have everyone follow him. Everyone's going to bow the knee. Everyone's going to acknowledge him for who he is, but it's by the way of the cross, not by throwing himself off the temple. So he's been tempted to seek prominence. Now, let me just stop for a moment. Those three areas, we can put them down into three things. Pleasure, possession, and position. You and I are tempted in the same three areas that Jesus is tempted here. Pleasure, what we do to make us feel good. Possession, what we have. More stuff we have, great, wonderful. Just something more for me to stick in my garage or in my attic, but I got it. It's there when I need it. In fact, there's so much stuff up there, I don't even know what we got up there anymore. But I know I got it. Possession. Position. I want to look good. I want people to think I'm good. And remember I told you last week, it could be, you could say, well, I'm not seeking any kind of position. Yeah, but maybe you come to the potluck dinner in two weeks and you're just waiting for people to say, ooh, that was a good dish. Boy, you make the best macaroni and cheese that's ever been made. And so there you are in the position of the best macaroni and cheese maker in the church. And you feel good about that. You are seeking position, whether you realize it or not. We're all tempted in the same three areas. Jesus is tempted in those three areas. My friends, he's tempted because he identifies with us because what? We are tempted in those three areas. And here, listen, if you look at the temptations that you have, Every one of them will fit in those three types. Pleasure, possession, position. Pleasure, possession, position. Realize it. And listen, here's the interesting thing about temptation. Every one of these temptations that Jesus was facing, here's the temptation. To take matters into your own hands rather than relying on God. You notice that with these temptations? To take matters into his own hands rather than relying on God. So when it comes to the issues of your pleasure, you take matters into your own hands rather than relying upon God says for your pleasure. When it comes to the issue of possession, you take matters into your own hands rather than relying upon God for your possessions. When it comes to the issue of position, you take matters into your own hands rather than relying upon God to lift you up to the place that he wants you to be lifted up to. See, every one of these, the issue of temptation is you are tempted, listen to me, you are tempted to ignore God and do what the temptation says to do in spite of it. See, that's what the temptation is. The temptation is to ignore God. That's the temptation. Now, 
You've got to say, now, why, if that's what it is and I recognize it, I, I understand that that's what temptation is. Why does it have such power over me? Have you noticed that? Have you ever asked yourself that question? I ask that self my question all the time. George, why do the golden arches have such control over you? It, it could be, ladies, I noticed, I was in Walmart the other day, the chocolate hearts. And you notice, I even saw, they even have them now for a dollar. Just a dollar. Chocolate. Chocolate. Here, here's my point. Why do they have control over us? And so that's what we're going to look at. I want you to turn now over to 1 John chapter 2. Look at verse 15 through 17. And then I want you, as we look at these verses, look at those three areas that he talks about the world. And isn't that the three areas of temptation? Listen to what he says here. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, listen, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Here's what we're going to look at now. We're going to look at the empowerment of temptation in your life. Do you want to know why temptation has such a stronghold in your life? And let me just stop for a moment. What tempts me will be something entirely different from what tempts you. Now, some of us may struggle with the same temptations, because all temptation is common to man, Paul tells us. But what tempts me will be different than what tempts you. But the fact is, is we all struggle with temptation. And what that temptation that is ensnaring us, that we seem to always succumb to, why it has such power over it, we find in this passage. So we're going to look at what the empowerment of temptation is. So I want you to notice with me, first of all, I want you to see in the first verse, 15, here's what he's saying. We are tempted by what we love. That's obvious, isn't it? I mean, I can tell you right now. If somebody brought in a plate of burgers, and somebody brought in a plate of spinach, I am not going to gravitate towards the spinach. That does not tempt me in the least bit. I'm going to be tempted by that quarter pounder with cheese. Bottom line. That's what's, now, it has to be a certain way to tempt me. No, none of that stuff on it. But I'm going to be tempted by that. Now, some of you would say neither one of those tempts you at all. But that tempts me, the one on this side. Forget that spinach stuff. Why am I tempted by the burger? Because I love burgers. I don't love spinach. Listen, have you noticed that you're not tempted by what you don't love? Have you noticed that? Your temptation doesn't happen in an area where you don't love it. Temptation always occurs in an area where you love what it is that you're being tempted by. So notice what Paul, what John is saying here, the writer John is saying. He says, do not, he's giving an encouragement here, do not love the world or the things of the world, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. What's he saying here, the world? Is he talking about the people of the world? No, he's talking about the culture. He's talking about the system. And all that the system has to offer you, because what the system has to offer you is anti-God. It's not from God. It's not the best for you. And he's saying, don't love it. Why? Because if you love it, it will ensnare you. So think about that. If you're going to deal with the issue of temptation in your life, and you're going to struggle, and how many of you struggle with temptation here? Yeah, all of us, right? So every one of you that raised your hand. First of all, you didn't raise your hand. Wake up or get real. For those of you who had your hand up, listen to me. 
You right now, on the forefront of your mind, are thinking about what that temptation is. You maybe are facing it. If you go a little bit deeper in your mind, you'll realize why you're tempted by it. You're tempted by it because you love it. That's scary, isn't it? And here's what he's saying to us. John is saying to us, don't love the world. It's not of the Father. So the reason why we're empowered in our temptation, if temptation is so empowered in our lives, is because we love what we're tempted by. We love what we're tempted by. The second thing I want you to see here is this, is that temptation is driven, temptation is driven by our personal desires. Look at what he says, verse 16. For all that is in the world, and notice how he divides them, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. What's he saying here? He's saying that when you look at the world, the world is broken down into three categories. And what are those three categories again? What did he say? The lust of the flesh. What's that? Pleasure. The lust of the eyes. Possession. The pride of life. Position. Aren't those the three areas that Jesus was tempted in? See, that's what the world has to offer us. The world has to offer us three things. Have you noticed it? What? Pleasure, possession, position. Pleasure, possession, position. Now, here's the thing. The reason why those things are a temptation to us is because we are driven by our personal desires. So, for instance, give me an example. James chapter 1, verses 14 to 15. Listen to what the writer James says. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, what is full grown, brings forth death. The reason why, here's the world, it's offering those three things. Pleasure, possession, position. Pleasure, possession, position. It's offering, it's everywhere around you. Look, look at the billboards. Look at the advertisements. Look at the way the store is when you're set up there. If you notice something when you check out, what's right there surrounding you at the store? Right there at the checkout lane. Everybody notice what's ever surrounding you there? Candy. Why do you think they put that stuff there? Because they had nowhere else to put it in the store? No. They're, they're trying to what? Tempt you. Tempt you. See, and here's what happens. You go to the store, and you maybe are a little hungry. It's not meant. I hadn't thought of it before, but for some reason right now, I'd like to have a Three Musketeers. I don't know why, but I'm thinking Three Musketeers. And a whole load, there it is. Three Musketeers. Not just the little bitty one, the king-size double one. And you start even thinking, well, you know, that's a better deal than the little one, because for 30 cents more, I can have two instead of one. And one costs 60 and only for a dollar I get the big one. And you start rationalizing it. Why? Because your desires have taken over. The temptation is driven by our what? Personal desires. See, that's what empowers it. That's what empowers it. And so again, listen. Lust of the flesh, what's that? Pleasure. Lust of the eyes, what? Possession. Pride of life. Prominence. And you see it all the time. You ever notice when you go on a used car, when you go on a car lot, all the cars are buffed. They got that new car smell in it. They're looking good. Why? Because they know that what you are attracted to is by what you see. Now, if you went on there and it was all rusted out and dented and dirty and salt covered, would you even be interested in looking at it? No. Not unless you had to. 
But the reality is, is that it's all because of our personal desires. All because of our personal desires. And so then notice something. Look with me in verse 17. Look at what he says. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. Here's what I want you to see, and this is what you and I have to recognize, and we have to get a hold of when it comes to the issue of temptation. We desire that which is temporary. We desire that which is temporary. So, for instance, me. Anybody knows I love cheeseburgers? I mean, I could get in the car after church and ride over to McDonald's with the family and get my burgers, and I will be satisfied for a little bit. And I will go home and take my power nap. And when I get up at five, you know what? I'm going to be hungry again. That cheeseburger is not an eternal satisfaction. Did you notice that? That piece of chocolate doesn't... You ever notice, ladies, it doesn't satisfy you just one little piece of chocolate? I mean, you've got to be disciplined to let one piece of chocolate satisfy you for a while. Everything, it doesn't satisfy you. Oh, we're going to go to this amusement park. It's going to be great. We're going to love it. And you go and you have it and you're done. The next day you're like, what's the big deal about that? All you got to do is watch your kids. We just went through Christmas. How many of them are still fixated on what you got them for Christmas? I mean, they want, I mean, they were laying hints for two months beforehand Christmas. Dad, this is what I want for Christmas. Dad, I'm thinking about my birthday. And you know what? When they get it, guess what? Does it satisfy them? No. See, this is the point that he's trying to tell us, is that this world is passing away. It's temporary. And the things that we're enticed by, pleasure, possession, position, pleasure, possession, position, those things are temporary. Temporary. Isn't it interesting? They ask one of the richest men of the world, what does he want to strive for now that he has everything else? Billions of dollars? And his thought was something new to make more money. See, you're never satisfied. The flesh, that's, you can write this down, your flesh is never satisfied. That's what empowers temptation, is that you will never satisfy the desires and cravings of your flesh. And so you have to recognize that what this world has to offer is temporary. It's temporary. The final thing I want you to see there is this. Here's, he's going to bring it all down. John's going to bring it all down to perspective. And he's going to say, here's how you deal with the issue of temptation. Here's how you deal with the empowerment of that temptation by the world and what the world has to offer. If you and I are going to live our lives in such a way where we are not giving into the desires of our flesh and not giving into the desires to that which is temporary, we've got to do something in spite of it. And so notice what he says. Obedience to the will of God lasts forever. Go back with me to Luke chapter 4. You don't need to turn there. Think with me. How did Jesus respond to every temptation? The Word of God. How did He respond? The Word of God. What was the issue for Him? Being obedient to the Word of God. How could He stop those temptations right in their tracks? Is that He had something greater in His life and that was the will of God? You know, as I've been thinking about this series, and next week we're going to look at this Luke 4, plus we're also going to look at 1 Corinthians and what Paul says about temptation. It, it's like all of a sudden, it's just like the dominoes, all, every, all the puzzle pieces fell into place in my mind about the issue of dealing with temptation. Because Paul will tell us that there's no temptation taken to man except that which is common to man, but God is faithful and he'll provide a way of escape. 
So as I was thinking about that, how many of you, I, mean, I've, I know that verse, I've memorized that verse, and when I face temptation, I even say, Jesus, show me the way of escape. How many of you have done something like that? Show me the way out of this temptation. Come on, let's be honest. Show me the way out of this. I want Where's that way of escape? And then you get frustrated because you can't find that way of escape. How many of you have been frustrated? I've been frustrated. Well, then it's like, duh, George, wake up. I'm reading the Word of God. I'm looking at Jesus. And I'm looking at the Word, what Paul says about the way of escape. And then I'm looking at the temptations of Jesus. And then it's like it clicked. Do you know what the way of escape is? It's not some door. It's not some way to get out of there. It's His Word. That's the way of escape. See, what are you talking about? Go all the way over to Psalm 119. David says this, Thy Word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. See, the way of escape for temptation is the Word of God. It's like, bam! Boom! And I'll expand that a little bit more with you next week. See, that's what Jesus is doing. See, the issue is how I overcome temptation is to be obedient to the will of God, and that's what lasts forever. You know what what the meaning of that is? I need to be a man of the Word. You need to be a man or a woman of the Word of God. You need to have it so be a part of your lives so that when temptation comes, you know, that's it, I can't do that. There it is, there's the line, I'm not going to cross it. Listen, I grew up that way. You grew up that way. Some of you grew up that way. You had a dad that said a line that this is what you, you can't cross that line. And so you said, I'm not going to cross that line because my dad set that line there. And that where there it was. And it didn't matter what people were to, oh, come on, your dad will get over it, blah, blah, blah. No, no, you knew the line was there and you said, uh-uh, I can't cross that line. That's how I grew up. But what kept me from going there? The word of dad. You do that, you're dead. Here, you've got to have the Word of God in your life. But here's the wonderful thing about God is, is He's not like Dad. He's going to deal with you. He's going to love you too. See, obedience to the will of God lasts forever. See, what empowers it is the world and what it has to offer and our desires for it. But how do I counter it? I'm going to decide to be obedient to His will. You say, okay, George, now what do I do with all this? A couple things here. First of all, a question. What does temptation reveal about your heart? What are you talking about, George? Why don't you think for a moment about what tempts you? And remember, we are tempted by what? By what we love. So think about that for a moment. What does that reveal about your heart? Where you're at? Who you are? That's scary, isn't it? I don't want to think that way. But you need to. When you look at what we are tempted by, because remember what I said, we are tempted to take matters into our own hands and what? Ignore God. And so when we look at those three areas of temptation, pleasure, possession, position, the area, the temptation in those areas is for us to achieve those things without who? God. So when we look at what we're tempted by, what does it reveal about our heart? That's the first question. The next question is this. How are you responding? What do you mean by that? How are you responding to the temptations in your life? Are you giving in? Have you run up the white flag and said, Surrender, I I can't even stand anymore? Or are you standing strong? Are you like Jesus, being able to say, Stand in the Word of God and say, No, I can't do that. How are you responding to the temptation in your life? And then finally, as you are wrestling with that, as you reveal and see the darkness of your life through what you're tempted by, 
You've got to recognize this. Jesus understands. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.